0: Now, we're joined in studio by Pippa Woolnough from the Immigrant Council of Ireland. Pippa, good afternoon and thanks for coming in to us. Um, Pippa, we, we've actually come in because of the um, several events, but obviously most recently the uh, the alleged or suspected arson attack on a hotel in Ruski, which had been earmarked for the accommodation of asylum seekers uh, coming to Ireland. And obviously, this isn't the first time that uh, prospective accommodation has been targeted in such a way. Um, you are, as such, on the front line of people who are coming to Ireland and who might have difficulty uh, being accepted by the native population. Have you noticed a tangible rise uh, in the Immigrant Council of people coming to you uh, having concerns about being uh, victimised or singled out in such or similar ways?
1: Um, we <clears throat> certainly haven't noticed a rise recently. I mean, the Immigrant Council has an anti-racism hotline. Um, every year we run a, an anti-racism campaign with the National Transport Networks through um, the uh, Transport for Ireland and all the operators. And we hear the thing about it is Ireland is, uh, it's a very welcoming country. But I mean, like any society where there's difference, um, that the people will uh, instance will, will occur of racism. And I think, what this has shown this week with Ruski, and as you point out it's not a one-off now Um, and and although it is obviously a very small minority and in fact you hear much louder voices like has been told today about the the, the rally Mm. um, by people who are saying this doesn't represent our community nonetheless that minority exists and I think what is missing is the opportunities to have full and frank conversations uh, in recognition of Ireland's increasing diversity and I think there was um, polling done by the Social Change Initiative there it was out just before Christmas that shows actually the majority of the Irish population, we are a welcoming country we are um, a, we realise that, that the island is increasingly diverse but I think what's missing is that space to have the conversation about what that means um, and it's a real shame that we didn't learn from Balladurine a couple of years ago when uh, a community were expecting their hotel to reopen and then were given I think three weeks notice or something very short mm. that actually they were getting over 100 asylum seekers and then I think there was an unfair kind of uh, feeling that, <coughs> that perhaps the, the, the community were, were against it but it wasn't that they were against it but we have have this space for conversation. Mm. How is people, a hundred vulnerable people coming with with, def- with needs who have had experience, goodness knows what, kind of persecution or violence even and they're fleeing, goodness knows what. Um, how are we going to make sure that they are adequately supported and that community is supported to support the new arrivals? Mm. Because as we see, every time... We see a, a, a new direct provision centre open. There are community groups that come together. Wicklow Welcomes is a good example. And we really want to help, but we don't know how because we're not being given that direction by the government and the state. So I think we, that's what's really missing.
0: It's interesting that you say that the the Balahadrine example, because some people, when you hear the, the complaints about uh, you know racist behaviour or the likes, and sometimes the, the point comes back is that sometimes this falls victim to nimbyism, that if you give an opportunity for people to have a discussion or if they've given an opportunity to voice concern about their local uh, disused hotel being used that they'll simply end up saying we want them but we just don't want them in our own backyards but you, you don't seem to think that's the case um i don't
1: I, I don't think that's being borne out by the reality that we've seen i mean i think another good example was um in in clare uh, where again it was felt like well th- there's a it was a tiny village and um they were saying well look it's not that we don't want people to come here but th- this is a tiny village and how are we going to be supported and if you actually look at the again the detail of the conversation that was had in those public meetings it wasn't that we didn't want Uh, people in our community it was like well our community is struggling how can we make sure this is a mutual win and a a benefit to both the the community and the new arrivals and i mean again research has shown in the uk and in other countries that um inward migration is an economic win-win if it's managed correctly and the problem is for too long Ireland has been reacting to migration and we're not planning for it you know migration is uh, a global norm now Ireland is going to be a destination country and at the moment especially with the strength of our economy and our, our job markets people are going to come so we need to look at how we're planning for that, um, and you know, one of the things about the direct provision centres is it is outsourced by the state uh, f- to for-profit country for-profit companies. And therefore, I think that that could you know it could be one layer of the issues because mm-hmm. obviously then location becomes uh, more of a commercial interest
0: rather than a, what's going to be best for the community and what's going to be best for the new arrivals. Uh, notwithstanding some of the uh, the broader things, have, have you noticed in the immigrant council any rise in uh, what you might call the slightly subversive or slightly less ostentatious? No big uh, display, no attempted at arson, but that more immigrant people finding that Irish people want to be welcoming, but that they take the attitude of you know, that we have 10,000 homeless Irish citizens and that we ought to be finding accommodation for them first before we deal with other people who are seeking uh, refuge in this country. And that ultimately then that immigrants feel like they are falling somewhat down the pecking order as a result.
1: Um, I definitely think that while Ireland, uh, we're lucky, we don't have the kind of rabid uh, anti-migrant rhetoric that you hear in our in neighbouring countries in the UK, in France and obviously in the States. But I think it would be complacent to assume it could never take hold here, and I think exactly that you are—you do here, obviously—in the work that we do, and in the, in the connection that we have with migrant communities, that is a line that we have come across, and. If we don 't take proactive measures um, to show this to to, to to manage migration and to show, and to ensure it 's a mutual benefit, then they can def- they could definitely fester and I think for one issue um, we don 't have a national action plan against racism. the last one expired in two thousand and eight, and I think it 's a, a huge gap we think as an organization it 's a huge gap that we don 't have that because mm. In order to ensure that those types of um, you know shorthand arguments that look after our own first, and you know that the ones that don't, uh, that people obviously react to um, when they when they, when they're facing difficulties. It, it, that zero-sum game we need to be, be creating an alternative narrative
0: and that does have to be led by the state and that is missing at the moment. I, I'm stunned to think that it's been 11 years since the last one expired and that there, there hasn't been a, a replacement uh, action plan against racism in the meantime. Um, uh, how do you feel when you see, you mentioned how migration is becoming more of a global norm and we saw that the UN migration pact which is non-binding uh, but signed by Ireland just before Christmas and a lot of the uh, reaction there was to that online, most of it could be accurately described as misinformation or scaremongering uh, and that it's. Seems- that the more people who perhaps become engaged in conversations around migration, the more people become afraid of the consequences. And, you know, you see reports that Ireland could be set to take thousands more and that there are fears from some people that soon the Irish could become some sort of minority in their own country. Now, a lot of that might be entirely misplaced or incorrect. But what do you say to people who exhibit those fears? Um, I think the uh, UN Global Compact on uh, for Migration was a very interesting example
1: because uh, the Immigrant Council and a number of NGOs in Ireland have been were involved in the kind of negotiation processes, which have been going on for a very long time, but stepped up in earlier, or sorry, uh, March, from March last year. And there was a very interesting analysis done on the social media commentary around the compact, which only started hotting up when it was due to be signed on the 10th and 11th of December, mm. um, and the the, the the analysis showed that it was uh, totally stirred up by alt right. If you look at the commentary, the vast majority of it was uh, people seeding uh, mistruths like you say, yeah. uh, and talking about it, it about a compact, which at the end of the day, as you pointed out, is non-binding yeah. and actually has been was watered down mm. as as ever these UN processes are. Uh, and there was
0: a suggestion in there that the, the, this compact, albeit non-binding, would somehow outlaw or make it to oppose or even criticize migration, which in fact wasn't true. That was, it was in one of the reading.
1: yeah. That was one of the biggest. Uh, um yeah, mistruths. <laughs> I'm trying to think of the word, uh, a polite word. they one of the biggest mistruths that actually took hold. And it was, I mean, it was somehow, it was sort of fascinating for us to see it unfold. Um, Ireland was always supportive of the of the compact uh, and we were delighted to see Minister Flanagan sign it. But actually, in terms of the day-to-day workings of, of national law, that, that takes precedence over mm. this. So it's actually, it was, a, it was a real, but it does show... And again, it goes. It shows that that kernel of uh, um, far right um, rhetoric, the kind of us, the us and them kind of mentality, and, and and opportunity to use that as a wedge to drive into society, is there to be stoked uh, and can be stoked. And I mean, certainly, you know, countries started not signing. It. I mean, it triggered a, the collapse of the government in Belgium. Um, the, the 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 plethora of mistruth. So we. That's why there is a real. Um, such an importance on being proactive and, and the government taking the lead and us being able to say well actually hmm. isn't it great people move, people have always moved we, we, we're quite happy that money sloshes across borders and especially into our borders through global companies and of course people are going to follow, you can't have a company you can't have uh without workers and you can't have workers mm. without having people and all of the complexities that they bring and life that they bring
0: um final question for you Pippa. You, you mentioned uh bala Hadreen, we mentioned ruski and there was that uh, that incident uh, before christmas in Donegal as well um if there was such a thing as a one size fits all or a silver bullet that the government could pursue to assure people's concerns about this uh, that could make it a lot easier to avoid similar incidents happening again in the future what would that be Oh I would
1: absolutely urge governments to go into community uh, go into the communities where uh, they're planning on setting up a direct provision centre well we don't really want to see direct provision centers but where they're going to be housing uh, asylum seekers mm. and uh, talk to the community about what that what how they will be supporting both the new arrivals and the community to welcome the the the, the, uh, the new arrivals because that's what is and it's really not rocket science it's just creating that space for people to ask questions going, well, what about my school are they going to have language supports how are we going to ensure that the the GP local GP service is not overwhelmed and how is that going and also because people actually you will find as has been shown in all of the examples there will also be a very strong members of the a group of the community who will go well we want help we can actually help you so actually it will help the government if they do it that way because just they'll engage- be like, because they'll be they'll they'll find a whole lot of willing volunteers who will want to be providing classes who will want to be like uh, childcare and you know all of those and uh, the friendships that it can it, it can
0: bring between between new communities. Okay, Pippa, we'll leave it there. Pippa know well from the Immigrant Council of Ireland. Thank you very much for coming to talk to us this afternoon. Uh, Hidden histories and a wrap up of the busy weekend of sports with off the ball next.